Good morning, Gold Avenue Church. Good morning. I want to welcome everybody to worship this morning, and I want to welcome especially those of you who are here to celebrate Kyle and Kelly joining the church, professing their faith, and Kyle's baptism, which is the reason why I'm wearing shorts. It's not because I'm optimistic about the the weather. Although it's been beautiful, hasn't it? Wasn't it a gorgeous week? Oh, praise the Lord for weather like this in November. Would you stand? I'm going to read um, from Ephesians chapter 1 to call us into worship this morning. Paul writes these words, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He's called you the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, And every name that's invoked on earth, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed Jesus to be the head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Lord, we worship You this morning. We exalt You in this place because You are seated on a throne in the heavens. We exalt You as the King over all kings, as the Lord of heaven and earth. Lord, be exalted. Lift Yourself up and be exalted in our midst as we worship You in this place. The King who we are exalting, the King who we're here to worship, calls us deeper into His presence With these words from the psalmist, the psalmist says, You've searched me, Lord, and You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, You, Lord, know it completely. The Lord knowing us um, with such intimacy that He knows everything we do, everything we say, everything we think, that He's present to every aspect of our life, that can bring great comfort and that can bring great discomfort. That can bring great comfort because there are many things that we've gone through even in this week where we felt alone or 
We didn't know why God was allowing it or why we had to go through it. And God is saying, I'm with you. I'm present to each thought, each situation, each occurrence. Comfort of the Lord's presence. And it can bring great discomfort because there are things that we've tried to hide or kept hidden or been ashamed of or not wanted others to see. And so let's pray as we gather in the presence of the Lord this morning that His Holy Spirit will do that work of discomforting and then comforting or and comforting. Let's pray. Lord, thank You that all of the work of Your Spirit is done in love. That You are present this morning with power to search our hearts and our minds and our lives. That Your aim is to build us up in Jesus Christ. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. Have Your way among us this morning. Lord, meet us in just those places where we need You to speak, to convict, to comfort, to encourage, to bring release. Lord, You are our Good Shepherd. Shepherd us this morning, we pray. Amen. Would you lift your hearts and your hands to receive a greeting from our Good Shepherd? Brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace, mercy, and peace are your eternal inheritance through Christ. Receive them afresh right now. Amen. I invite you to take many moments to greet each other with the love of God. Highest praises be unto your name. I invite you to have a seat. We're going to have the joy of listening to high praise through a couple of faith stories now. And so I want to invite Kyle and Kelly Tate to join me up here And if the worship team could put your stands down and to the side so that in a little bit we can all have a good view of Kyle's baptism. This morning we have the joy of um, welcoming into full membership Kelly and Kyle Tate. And as part of that, hearing their faith journey, hearing the high praise of how God's story has intersected with their stories. And so right now I'd like to um, invite you, Kelly, to tell us just a little bit. And remember, these are just snapshots, but um, little bits of their story. And there's much more to their story that I hope that you'll talk to them about, ask them questions, even as they want to hear your stories too. Um, One thing that we would ask is that I know this is the stage and age of technology, but that no one would record These stories. These are for God's praise and for the encouragement and building up of those that are here and present this morning. God is good and his love never fails. I have a couple of questions, actually, four to ask you, and I'm going to go through these questions at the end. If you agree with them, your answer will be um, I do. And just to clarify that um, you're reaffirming your faith. 
and you're professing your faith, Kyle, and um, you're going to have your baptism in a minute. So one of these questions references baptism, and you're speaking this in advance of your baptism. All right. So these are the questions. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, sent to redeem the world? Do you love and trust him as the one who saves you from your sin? And do you, with repentance and joy, embrace him as Lord of your life? Question two. Do you believe that the word of God reveals Christ and his redemption and that the confessions of this church faithfully reflect that revelation? Question three. Do you accept the gracious promises of God sealed to you in your baptism, and do you affirm your union with Christ and his church, which your baptism signifies? And question four, do you promise to do all you can with the help of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your love and commitment to Christ by sharing faithfully in the life of the church, honoring and submitting to its authority, and do you join with the people of God in doing the work of the Lord everywhere? Kelly, what's your answer? I do. And church, a question, and you would answer, we do. Do you promise your love, encouragement, and prayers for Kyle and Kelly? Amen. Um, I want to invite Pastor Dave up here, and we would like to um, pray. We invite you, we welcome you into the full communion of this um, church body. We're thrilled to have you all join Um, as partners in the gospel, the good news, that it's not anything that we could earn, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that Jesus did for us, and he gives us his holiness and his righteousness, and we praise God for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of Kyle and Kelly and the gift um, of new life for both of them, and we thank you that as you've called them into new life, that they don't journey alone, but that you've promised them the gift of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray that you would fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit this morning, that you would fill them afresh with the love that you have for both of them, that you would strengthen them to live out their calling to follow Jesus in this world, to use their gifts to serve him and to seek his kingdom. Lord, Strengthen, fill, empower them by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we um, thank you that you've brought them into our church body. We accept them as gift from you. Lord, I pray that you would stir up their gifts. Lord, and that you would use them for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would bless and protect and strengthen their marriage. Lord, I pray that you would um, bind them together with cords that cannot be broken. And Lord, I pray that their lives would just continue to go from glory to glory and bring you honor and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite Pastor Bruce, uh, who led Kyle to Jesus, to come forward. And he's going to join me in the tank for baptizing Kyle. We're going to baptize him together. Friends, you're all aware that um, baptism represents uh, the washing away, the cleansing of all of our sins. And Paul says in Romans, don't you know that those of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? 
and also into his resurrection. And so we say to you, Kyle, come now down into the death of Jesus Christ. Kyle Tate, we baptize you in the name of God the Father. And of God the Holy Spirit. Kyle, welcome to New Life in Christ Jesus. We know that you've been in Christ for four going on five years. But remember this day that Jesus says to you afresh, Kyle, just as the water runs down your body and just as water cleanses you from dirt, so have I cleansed every stain and every sin. You are a new creation in me, says the Lord. We've, um, Kyle, before you, yeah. It's our practice to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, what scripture might you give to each person that we baptize that would be a special scripture that might mark out uh, their new life in Christ? And so this scripture for Kyle from the book of Philippians where uh, Paul, so, so the, the scripture comes from Philippians 3.12, but I'm going to start a little earlier because he says, he begins by saying, not that I've already obtained all this. And so I want to read the, all this. Paul says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from obedience to the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Jesus. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participating even in His sufferings becoming like Him in His death, and so also attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And then He says, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward was ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want to share really briefly why I chose these verses. Kyle's a runner. We all know that. And uh, about a year and a half ago when Kyle and I were on a walk together, I asked him, because he's a really, really good runner, I said, do you ever see yourself like running professionally or running you know, competing really seriously again. And he said to me, I'm running a different race now. I'm running a different race now, Pastor Dave. And I, and I believe that God would use these words, Kyle, over and over to remind you of the race that you're running. You're forgetting what's behind you, and that doesn't mean you stop running physically. But he's taken hold of you. He says, I've taken hold of you, Kyle, and I have things ahead. And I call you to hold on to me and to follow me. And I'll use, my, I'll use your life my glory. And so Kyle, 
Rise now to that new life in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, even as we turn now to hear the preaching of your word, Lord, we ask that you would anoint Pastor Dave with your Holy Spirit. Lord, guide his words. Give him wisdom in what to share. Lord, I pray that you would help him to navigate the text in such a way that you would teach us, train us up, encourage us. Lord, strengthen your church. We wait on you. In your name we pray all these prayers. Amen. Really appreciated Ken's prayer that we would see ourselves in Kyle and Kelly's testimonies. I said to Kyle while we were changing, uh, it struck me while they were sharing that the, the two of them are kind of like the older brother and the younger brother from the parable of the prodigal son. You can be lost at home or you can be lost away from home. You can be lost trying to save yourself or you can be lost running away, you know. There's all, all kinds of lostness, and I, I just I sense the Lord's really going to use um, that combination, like that the the unique way He's partnered the two of your stories. He's going to use that um, as you minister. He's going to use your stories in a unique way together um, to share the gospel. Like that, you've always got something that connects with people's experiences. So for whatever whatever that means, and um, we'll just pray the Lord does that. The scripture reading this morning is coming from Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read a couple of um, texts to supplement it. A couple of verses from Matthew. I won't ask you to turn there. I'm just telling you ahead so that when we finish, I'll turn to Matthew and I'll read three or four verses. And then one from Ephesians chapter 2. But we're picking up in the middle of a story. Uh, Last week, Jesus... um, commissioned and sent out 72 of his followers. This comes on the heels of sending 12 out, and the 72 go with basically the same instructions, although Luke doesn't show them here. Luke's narrowed them down to heal the sick, proclaim the kingdom. And in um, Luke 9, when it was the 12, Luke said, heal the sick, drive out demons, proclaim the kingdom of God. And we saw that God's, God's work in the world is a threefold pattern of healing. You remember that sermon? Healing the... Spirit, God brings spiritual healing, connecting us um, to himself through Jesus, bringing back into relationship, healing of our souls, mind, emotions, will, we get hurt, um, we believe lies like Kelly shared, so God binds up the broken heart, renews the mind, right? Healing the spirit, healing the soul, and then healing bodies. Jesus heals, he renews, he restores, he makes new. So he's sending his disciples out to do the same thing. He commissioned them last week. He prepared them by talking about rejection that they were going to face and how they should respond to it. And here we meet them in the middle. Oh, and he also did that really neat thing. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. That was the whole sermon last week. And then um, those who are told to ask get sent out. It's dangerous to ask. It's dangerous to join your heart with the Lord that way in a good sense because... Because then you get sent, you get called out. So, so they were told to pray, and they prayed, and they went. And here they come. Here they come back. Luke 
10, picking up at 17, we read, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then He turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed! are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. From Matthew chapter 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And evildoers is the key to understanding Jesus' words there. We could look at the miraculous, the prophetic, the um, deliverance ministry, and the miracles, and say, well, whoa, that seems really awe-inspiring. We don't even necessarily see a whole lot of that as we look around the ministry of the church. How could it be that someone could operate in those gifts and in Jesus' name and yet be rejected or not welcomed? And it's the, I never knew you, you evil doers. So hearing and obeying the Word of God, keeping one's life in line with the commands of God is paramount to knowing God. Just, just important that we notice that as we turn to the Luke text. And then here's just one, one little line from Paul's letter to the Ephesians that we started this morning, where Paul says in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up. Like He just raised Kyle up. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I need to say that one more time and notice it's past tense. And seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. We'll talk about what that means in a minute. Well, there was a certain... um, high school principal who was assigned to a new district in uh, 
West Virginia. And when he got to the school that he was going to, he noticed that bullying was a huge problem. And so what he did was he gathered a bunch of um, freshman students, grade niners, brand new at school. And uh, there was about, about eight or ten of them. And he took them into his office and he said, look, we're not going to put up with bullying on, on, on this school anymore. And, and they were excited because they were some of the ones who were getting bullied. And he said, well, actually, I'm going to use you to put a stop to it. And he went out and he handed um, these little name cards that had his name on him and that, you know, this like thing you, you hang them on and just put one on each of them. And he said, I want you to take these and I want you to go out to the playground today at lunch, uh, playground, the, the yard, and I want you to um, address each of the bullies and I want you to tell them to stop what they're doing and I want you to tell them to leave the people that they're bothering alone. After lunch, they came running in to his office. And they said to him, they did. They did. They laughed. They laughed. And he said, I know. I was watching you out the window. Not only are they going to leave, but you're going to work with me to send out bullies everywhere. Okay, it's a really imperfect um, analogy, but if you could put yourself in the shoes of those freshman students, if you could remember back for some of you four years, for some of you 40 or 50 years, those first days of high school, how intimidating that is. You're the little guy on the block. You're not important. You don't have any position, any authority, any power. And you're going to tell them big seniors what to do and what not to do. It's a little bit of a picture of what what Jesus' disciples may have felt like as He sends them out. We can read these words, I give you all power and all authority. I put My name on you. And we can make them sound so big and strong. And I can preach them big and strong. But when you're one of the twelve or one of the seventy-two and you're heading out into enemy territory, when you've got to go face that bully, that strong one, that one who all your life you've known could pulverize you, and several times has, when you've got to go into places where you're not welcome, it's a whole different story. And you've got to trust. And these guys have trusted. They've trusted. And they've gone in obedience to Jesus And here they are, back at His feet, saying, Lord, Lord, even the demons submit to us. Like, we're surprised. Like, we knew. We saw You do it. You said we could do it, but it happened. They did. They submitted to us. And Jesus says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And uh, you might be tempted to think that he's referring to Satan's fall from glory that's detailed in Isaiah and in Ezekiel, but he's not. The verb tense of this word is actually um, denotes progressive and continuous action. And so it could read like this, I was watching Satan fall like lightning. 
In other words, as you were out ministering in faith and in the power of My Spirit, as you were delivering people from evil, I was watching, like that principle, I was seeing Satan fall like lightning. I was seeing his kingdom come undone. I was seeing people make a transfer from one kingdom into another. I was seeing new life. I was seeing it. The Holy Spirit was allowing me to see what was happening as you were out ministering. And in fact, you're excited because the demons submit to you. But actually, I've given you... It's like you're excited that those bullies responded to you. But actually, I've given you authority over the mafia and over terrorists and over ISIS and over governments and over nations and over... Imagine a principal saying that to a bunch of grade 9 students. That's what Jesus is saying. I've given you authority. He's saying to them, you don't understand the authority that I've given you. I've given you authority to overcome the entire kingdom of darkness. Every way that Satan has a hold in this world, on people, in lives, in nations, I've given you authority over all of it. And he uses the words scorpions and snakes for multiple reasons. One, because that was a common image for the whole realm of darkness and of evil. The kingdom of darkness. But two, because there's something about scorpions and snakes. They bite. Scorpions bite. They sting. Snakes bite. Snakes wrap themselves around. And what Jesus is talking about is the way in which when you work with Him to bring the Gospel, when you work with Him to advance His kingdom, there will be pushback. There will be responses from the kingdom of darkness. You will feel pressure. You will get bitten. And so He says, nothing will harm you. You might experience these things, but nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. And then he says this. But don't rejoice. Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So I think, um, what about us here this morning? I'd say, what about us at Gold? But what about you who are visiting? What about all of us? As we grow in working with Jesus advance his kingdom, how do we hear these words from Jesus to start? I think really basic, but the first thing I want us to hear again is that working with Jesus is joyful. They returned with joy. And the joy wasn't just the demons submit to us. The joy was the joy of the Lord. Lord, we saw people respond to the message. We saw them repent. We, we saw them come out of darkness. We saw people who were oppressed and, and tyrannized, delivered and free. Lord, we saw like limbs get healed. Lord, we saw families get reconciled. Lord, we saw you putting relationships back together. Working with the Lord is joyful. It's joyful. And in the context of working with Him, He says to us, you have every bit of power and authority that you need to do my work. That's the second thing. So, you all, we have a church, as a church, we have a call. 
But every one of you has an individual call on your life. There are particular ways that God desires to use you with your gifts and you with your personality and you in the situation that he's put you in to advance his kingdom. Everybody has a particular way that the Lord wants to use them. And he says to you, you, as I use you, there is opposition that you're going to face. The reality of the kingdom of Satan is very real and present. And you will face opposition. And as you do, I give you power and authority to overcome it. You need to, to learn maybe to recognize that that opposition is coming against you. And what it looks like when it comes through human beings who accuse or who uh, push hard against or uh, discourage greatly. But I've given you authority to overcome. And, you know, here at Gold Avenue Church, I, 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 just as I was thinking about preparing the sermon, I thought probably... We've been learning about the responsible use or exercise of God's authority. We've seen, we've seen God at work healing. We've seen God at work um, delivering people from evil, both, both like salvation but also deliverance from evil spirits. We've seen that. We've experienced it. And I thought, well, probably about a quarter of us sitting here this morning have been involved in some form of deliverance ministry over the last couple of years. Maybe we've sat in and somebody else has led, or maybe we've had the opportunity to lead and to pray with somebody. We've seen it. And maybe the other three quarters of us have prayed for those things, but maybe we haven't seen them or experienced them yet. Well, as God continues to grow us, we're moving through the gospel, following Jesus and learning to cooperate with him to advance his kingdom. More of us will have opportunities to engage with Jesus in that work of delivering people from evil. And so I think it's really gracious of the Lord to give us this word, the timing of this word, on the front end of our experience of being involved in deliverance ministry of one way, shape, form, or another. Why do I think that? Because I think the exact same thing can happen to us that happened to the disciples. And that is that when they experience the exercise of Jesus' power, it's exhilarating. It's not just joyful, but it's exhilarating. When you realize that Jesus works through you to cast out, to deliver, it is, um, it, it can, it can, it can do two things. And I, and I believe this is where the Lord is really trying to protect his disciples and to protect us. Um, because it's no mistake that he references Satan falling, the fall of Satan. Why did Satan fall in the first place? Pride. Pride. He fell because he had position and he had power that was to be exercised for God's glory and it wasn't enough and he wanted more. That power corrupted him. And you see, God always takes a chance when he works with us and when he places power in our hands. That's why he teaches us to pray, Lord, deliver us from evil. Lead us away from temptation. And so here's what can happen, and this can happen not just with deliverance ministry, but with any exercise of any spiritual gift. If we're insecure, and then God uses us in some way that's powerful, whether that is the powerful use of the gift of administration that has great effect for the kingdom of God, or powerful use of faith to pray for deliverance. It doesn't matter what it is. If God uses us in a powerful way, we get this feeling of satisfaction but, but if we were struggling with insecurity, 
if we didn't know our value as people, then all of a sudden, that, that thing that we're doing for the Lord, is feeding our value. And it's subtle. But it can really, really malign. It can take off track. And I believe that's why Jesus says that there's people who prophesy and people who deliver and people who perform miracles in His name that aren't going to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not because they all started being evildoers, but it's because something took over in them. That they were snagged. They were caught. And so he says, don't focus on what you can do for the Lord. Don't focus on the power that I've given you. Focus on, first and foremost, what the Lord has done for you. That's what he's saying here. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice in what you can do for the Lord. Rejoice in what the Lord has done for you. Eyes, he's saying, he's saying to his disciples, even though he's not yet died, he's saying, eyes on me. Eyes on the cross. Eyes on what I've done. Everything flows from what I've done. Which is why I believe, as I study the text, why he moves from saying that into all of a sudden being full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Luke says, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, but you've revealed them to the little children. Now, he's not saying it's bad to be wise. We're taught to seek that. Or to be learned, we're taught to love the Lord with all, all our mind. So what's he saying? He's saying that when you get in the position of wise and learned, it can be very easy to be self-sufficient, to, be, uh, to rely on one's own strength and knowledge and wisdom to be independent rather than dependent. He's talking about the posture of our hearts. And Kelly talked earlier about having, having to have it all together and have all the right wisdom and knowledge and be perfect. And Jesus says, rather than revealing myself and giving salvation to the perfect, or those who think themselves that way, that I come to those who are like little children. I come to the humble. I come to the needy. I come to the dependent. And then he makes this comment about uh, who, how we know the Lord. He says, all things have been given to me by my Father. And the only one who knows my, the Father is me. And the only one who knows me is the Father. And the only one who the only ones who um, get introduced to the Father are those that I choose to reveal them to. So he makes this comment about how we come into the kingdom through humility, through dependence, through neediness, through being like little children. And then he says um, that those are the ones that he chooses to reveal, to reveal the Father to. And then he turns to his disciples, and I think still full of joy through the Holy Spirit, he says, Blessed 
are you? And he makes this comment about, because you're seeing. Many people have longed to see, but you're seeing. Now that seeing doesn't just mean that they're experiencing. It doesn't just mean like that people waited for ages and ages, and now you're here during this age when I'm here, and so you happen to get to see me. What it means is, they're seeing with the eyes of the heart. You're seeing. You're seeing. Because lots of people are seeing Jesus, but not seeing. And that's why he's, he's made this comment about who he gets revealed to. Lots of people are seeing him and rejecting him. But he's saying, blessed are you. And what does blessed mean? Oh, how the deep happiness. Oh, what joy you must have because you're seeing. You're seeing me. Friends, if you're sitting here this morning and you can say, I believe that Jesus Christ is Son of God, Savior of the world. I believe that Jesus was given for the forgiveness of my sins that I might enter into new life become a child of God with deep value and purpose, then blessed, blessed, blessed are you. You are not sitting here saying that because of happenstance. You are not sitting here this morning by accident. You are not sitting here this morning because you grew up in the church and just happened to hear Or you're not sitting here this morning because you grew up out of the church and just happened to get introduced to the Lord. You're sitting here this morning saying those things because He chose to reveal Himself to you. Because He chose from before the beginning of time, I want that one to be my daughter. I want that one to be my son. I want that one to come into my kingdom. I've got purposes and plans for that one. I want to write that one's name in heaven. He chose. He revealed. And that is reason for joy upon joy upon joy upon joy. What what more joyful thing could we ask for than to have that, that peace that comes from knowing I couldn't do anything. And yet He's done it all for me. I didn't deserve anything. In fact, I deserved wrath. And He looked on me with love and said, Come. Come follow me. I was empty and dirty. And He cleansed me. And He filled me. And I had no meaning in my life. And He gave me meaning and purpose. And He didn't just call me for here and now. He called me for forever. And forever doesn't depend on me. Forever depends on Him. Because He said He would bring it to completion. Yea. Yea, that the Spirit submit. Yea. But... That's not our focus. Our focus is the joy of being and belonging to the Lord. And if you're sitting here this morning and the joy of the Lord is something that is a, 
every once in a while experience or it's not a very, um, if, if your heart's not resonating with what I'm saying this morning, if you say, like, my mind gets joy and I get that we should be joyful and that makes sense to me, but I don't experience a lot of joy, it could be that you're in the middle of a really dark season, but it could also be that the Lord um, has some healing, delivering, filling, renewing work that He wants to bring about in your life. Because, friends, joy isn't circumstantial. Joy doesn't depend on what we do for the Lord. Joy depends on what the Lord has done for us. It's full, it's permanent, and it's something that He is willing to pour into us and to apply every day, regardless of whether we have struggle finding a job or a home or what relational difficulties we're going through. Joy is the inheritance of every Christian. And so I just invite you to um, extend your hands in prayer with me, and I'm going to ask the Lord to fill us afresh with joy this morning. Lord, I thank you that there's nothing that we can do to, to get joy except to ask, just like, just like we couldn't earn our salvation. And I thank you that at the same time, all we need to do is ask, and that you long to fill your people. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that even as you commission and send every one of us out to represent you, Jesus, and even as you do give us power and authority and we learn to exercise it, Lord, would you first center us in your joy? Would you center us in the joy of salvation? Lord, would you renew that joy in us? Lord, where we're dry, would you come and refresh? Where we've lost sight of what it means to belong to you for eternity? where our eyes are on this world, Lord, would you lift them up? Lord, where there are things that are blocking joy, would you reveal what those are? And would you remove them? Would you deal with them in your grace? Lord, thank you that that word from Scripture, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not just a trite promise but it's something that you're willing to bring to fulfillment in the heart of every one of your children. Lord, may it be so. May the joy of the Lord be our strength. May it strengthen our inner beings, our hearts. Lord, would you strengthen every one present in the knowledge of your unfailing love, a love that's full and complete, that doesn't waver, that doesn't depend, on behavior. Lord, would you make us wells of joy, that joy would flow over from us to those around us, that as you send us out to share with you in proclaiming the gospel, the message we have is one of joy. Your word says, with joy you will draw water from the well of salvation. Lord, I thank you that that well doesn't run out, never runs dry, it's always accessible. Lord, would you teach us how to access that well? Would you fill us with joy even as we close our time of worshiping you this morning? And so as the worship team comes up, I invite you um, to receive this blessing. And then our closing song is going to be Revelation.
And so receive this blessing from the Lord. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen.